Well, let's let Psalm 103 call us today. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. God grant that. And he redeems your life from the pit. Been in a pit this week? <laughs> then you come to the right place today. Wherever you're connecting with us, right from your own living room and your computer room or one of our physical facilities right here in Coral Gables or Kendall Campus, we welcome you to Christ Journey Church this morning. And uh, as I think about all that is within me, one of the things that's so powerful within me is my sense of smell. Anybody else relate to that? By the way, if you're joining us from home, I'd like for you right now to light an aromatic candle. You know, those aromatherapy, you probably got a candle you really like. Uh, aromas can speak so deeply to the soul. I mean, they just like, uh, like, like wake-up calls for memories. I can have sleeping memories that suddenly I didn't know were present, but a, a smell rouses them. And suddenly, I'm right there in the midst of them. Maybe you've got some smells that just wake you up, parts of you wake you up, like the smell of a, uh, of a live Christmas tree, right? Just does something. The, um, the smell of uh, freshly ground coffee in the morning. The smell of barbecue on the grill. You know, you drive, somebody's got a barbecue going today. It just wakes something up inside of you. The uh, fragrances are so powerful, they, they can mesmerize. The Gospels tell a, a, of a time in Jesus' life where a woman, in a take-your-breath-away act of worship, actually anoints him with a fragrance that is so powerful. It fills the entire house where the experience took place. It was inescapable. Everybody was inhaling the fragrance of that experience. So fragrance was a, a part of his worship experience that day. And fragrance is also part of temple worship in Jerusalem. The priests used a blend of five aromatic spices listed in Exodus 30, 34, if you want to check that out. But the incense that they burned on the golden altar in the Holy of Holies was made of aromatic spices, something that would awaken the senses. So in worship, Old and New Testament, it was a multi-sensory experience, and one of the main senses was smell. Smell. So no wonder the Apostle Peter, and stay with me now, but the Apostle Peter, writing to believers across the Roman Empire in the first century, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, You are a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in worship at the Jerusalem temple at the time, the men in the Jewish priesthood would offer sacrifices on behalf of all the people. But Peter is now saying, hey, now not only the men in the Jewish priesthood, but he writes to all believers, he says that you are all priests, not only men, but men and women, and Jew and Gentile. Every follower of Christ was now going to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. 
So the New Testament calls all believers priests and says that you are ordained, authorized to, by God to approach his throne, to lift up prayers. The incense also represented prayers and symbolic of the prayers of the people rising to God. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation, chapter 8, verse 3, he shows an angel with a golden burner in which he said he would carry much incense mixed with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne of God in heaven. And, um, and the Apostle Paul also uses temple language, speaking of fragrant incense. In his little letter to the Philippians, he links something that every believer can do as an act of worship, something, in fact, that the people of Philippi had just done for him that he was benefiting from. And, um, and that's what we're going to talk about for a few moments today. In fact, that, little, that powerful little four-chapter letter to the Philippians, one of my favorites, perhaps yours, was a thank you note. Did you know that? It was written as a thank you note to the people of Philippi, the believers there, who had generously contributed to his ministry. So listen to what he writes, Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Now, Epaphroditus is the Roman name of the FedEx guy that made the delivery, <laughs> you know, or the, uh, the UPS guy or the um, Amazon Prime guy. Epaphroditus was sent with the gifts that he showed up at Paul's doorstep in the jail and uh, said, we love you, surprise gifts. And so now he's writing this letter, the letter to the Philippians as a thank you. And this is what he says. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then this amazing promise. I want us all to read this one together, could we? And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. How many times have I shared that promise and prayed it for God's people through the years? How many times have I laid hold of it at critical points in our financial journey as well? This promise that came from this thank you note that Paul just wanted to say, oh, and you know what? God, God will never be unfaithful to his promise. God has been faithful and true time and again. And so Paul has received, here's basically the scenario. Paul has received the financial gifts of believers who just wanted to say, I love you, we're here for you. And he says, they're a fragrant offering, a spiritual sacrifice pleasing to God. Now, what we've been doing in this series is just looking through the New Testament, the writings of the apostles, and seeing where they use temple language, the language of sacrifice, even though they weren't making animal sacrifices. They were not participating in the physical temple in Jerusalem in animal sacrifices, and yet the apostles used the language of sacrifice. And so what we've seen is that they're basically, well, we've looked at four so far. The first one, we've seen that our bodies, we're called upon to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that as we present our bodies on the altar of God's will, doing his work in the world, we can say, Lord, all of me, I am releasing to all of you so that your will might 
move forward in my life. And then we saw, so we make the offering of our lives, of our bodies. Then we saw that we give the voice of praise, the sacrifice of praise. We align our heart with our lips and voice it through our mouths. And then we offer our hands to do good works. I want to bring the slide back up because I want them to see uh, these are the sacrifices that the New Testament tells us about. Our lives, our praise, our deeds. When we do good works, it's a sacrifice of worship praise to God. And then we saw that the people who come to Christ because we share our story and others have opportunity to connect, Paul says that's a sacrifice that brings pleasure to God. And then today we add the final one in the series, our generosity. Paul says... It's a fragrant offering. It fills the, the entire house with the acceptable sacrifice that's pleasing to God. So as worshipers, here's the bottom line today. We offer financial gifts as an act of worship. Where does that come from? Why do we have an offering? Not to pay the light bill, not to, you know, but we, we make it as first an act of worship to God. This is the New Testament practice. A fragrant offering, which made me wonder this. What does generosity smell like? Could I answer that question for us? From the text, three answers for worshipers today. If you're a worshiper and you want to know what generosity smells like, um, but, but before I tell you the answer in the Bible, I'd like for you to hear not just from me. I'd like for you to hear from Jonathan and Sarah Barrios and their experience with Christ's journey as they share some of their story along the way. Check this out. Yeah, guys, how many of us can relate to that? Yeah. She's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, you don't have to raise your hands. Oh, thank you, ladies. Yeah, you don't mind, right? Okay, but they answer the question, what is the first fragrance of generosity? 
in their experience, and it matches what Paul says, and the answer is simply love. What's the first fragrance of generosity? Love. When people feel your concern, when they can inhale it, when it's palpable as a fragrance that is filling a space where they know that your concern is now embracing them, then that's the fragrance of generosity. What touched the Barrios family was that gifts that other people had made, they didn't come right out and say it, but every one of those people you saw and every space that they entered and all the resources that they experienced were there because people gave People were generous with their time, with their talents, and with their treasures so that space could be provided, resources could be provided to equip an, uh, or, uh, yeah, an environment that would serve their family. And so its first, first smell of generosity is love. And it's the same aroma that Paul smelled when, in the gift that people sent him. And there's a very telling word that he uses in Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That's Paul saying, man, this really made me happy inside. And that at last, and it was a spiritual joy, at last you renewed your concern for me. The word concern, this is an interesting word. It literally means parts around the heart. It has a physicality about it. Parts around the heart. So I looked this up. Greek scholars say that this is talking about the combination of visceral and cognitive thinking that when they combine, they produce behavior. Now, I want to unpack that just a little bit. It, it, just say it's a fleshing out. A fleshing out of what is real and raw on the inside, visceral and cognitive, that results in a Fleshing out. I think it's amazingly cool that Paul, in jail, his circumstances were not positive at the time. He says that when believers are so moved from the parts around their heart in generosity that fleshes itself out in behavior, it rises like a sweet aroma that pleases God. Which is part of the reason that giving is an act of worship in our church's reality. Can you smell it? It's all around you right now too. It's where people's affection and attention, their heart's affection, their mind's attention combine in making their personal contribution. And Paul says that smells really good to God. And other people inhale it too and experience its blessing. The difference it makes in other people's lives, the ministry to people. Now, speaking of ministry, the Barrios have more story, so there's a second answer. First answer, what does it smell like? It smells like love. What's the second answer to the question? What does generosity smell like? See if you can guess what it is. So, uh, as we were certain that this was our church home, at the same time, I was kind of getting integrated in the community, which is an important uh, part of what I do. And I was introduced to Louis Chappie when we went to breakfast. And you know, Louis, Louis embraced me with this incredible embrace. And, and uh, you know, I, I felt like I had known Louis my entire life. And throughout this breakfast, we're just getting to know each other. I'm a new Christian to town, and he's you know involved in the Christian business community. Um, we're just getting to know each other. And you know, here I am talking to somebody I, I feel like I've known for decades. And he planted this seed in my heart 
affecting my actions and my body language and my uh, disposition that I was different from others. And uh, through the National Christian Foundation, uh, it, it also led to our generosity when we uh, were generous to our church. Karen and I have been in position over the last you know, few years since we moved to Manhattan to, to start to be there and because of her heart in Christ and her heart for generosity and to help others, it kind of worked on my heart. And it was hard, it was very hard because of the insecurity about being generous. Because I was still like, if I'm generous now, what's going to happen in the future? There's an uncertainty. The Lord has shown us that. The more bold we are to be generous to our church and to, to our investment in the kingdom, the more blessings. Okay, so what's the second fragrance of generosity? Oh, by the way, to those of you joining us at home, if you lit a candle, is it starting to make its aroma known? You're inhaling it. It's part of the space, right? The second fragrance of generosity is fullness. Fullness. It makes its presence known, and needs are being met. And so we hear that in what the Barrios were sharing. We also see it in what Paul did. When I'm listening to Jonathan talk here, he talks not just about the internal needs of family being met at the church, but he's talking about now this pervasive and even um, infectious or contagious way that generosity sort of, he, he benefited from it, and then he started showing it. And it was uh, awkward and hard, but... They, they jumped in together, and uh, it affected his marketplace. It affected his business life. It affected his connections, and that's what's happening to Jonathan and Sarah. Louis Chiappi is a part of Christ Journey family. We didn't set that up, but Louis and Jonathan got together, went to breakfast, set up some business contacts, started sharing some ways to put your roots down and then grow up in the influence community. And so I'm saying, way to go, Louis. What was happening in Louis? He was being generous with his time, with his influence, with his connectability to help a new person in town get established and then say, well, maybe the time's not right for this, but there's this and maybe someday. And so then Jonathan said, well, I went and oh man, it was the right time for me then. Well, Paul says something similar. Verse 18, I have received, that's where it starts, you receive somebody else's generosity and it is full, full payment. That's the language of fullness. My personal needs are being met. And then he says, and <laughs> I have more than enough. The language of fullness that then overflows is what he's talking about. So that's need being met. What did Jonathan say? He said, you know, we discovered the more we're generous, the more blessings we have. Well, that's a lesson that not, comes to none of us through a book. That usually comes because somebody you know is actually showing you how it works, and then you take the counter-cultural step, the counter-intuitive step, to say, well, if I could inhale that fragrance, then maybe I could exhale it too. And that's what we see happening here. And that's really how the ministries at Christ Journey go forward, the ministry like the families that are connecting to Christ Journey physically and digitally today. Uh, did you know we were able to start Church Christ Journey Church Online back in 2011 because of the generosity of people? 
because of people who said, we've received, our, we're full, and we have more, and we're going to give so other people can experience it too. Now, how many people have benefited? That was 2011. That was way pre-COVID. But when it came, we were able to pivot quickly so that our people could still be connected and receive the benefit. How many people have benefited because of the generosity of those who had that vision on the front end? Countless is the answer. Countless people that have inhaled the generosity of others and now are passing it on. Same way with uh, our other outreaches because of the financial gifts of people. We're able to do ministry today in all of our spaces, physical and digital and international. This is global, Give Global Month because we know that our gifts get multiplied when they go overseas and we partner with our ministry uh, partners in the same way. This is what Paul calls, I have full payment. And so we have more than enough. What does generosity smell like? It smells like love. It smells like fullness. What does that mean? Needs are being met, yours and others. And then there's a third answer that Paul gives us, but so do the barrios. And, um, you know, when they came in to first tell their story, we don't tell people what to say. We invite those that... Have, have stories that we know that maybe they would like to share, but then we say, well, now what is it that you want to talk about? This is what they chose to talk about of their own initiative. They weren't primed in the pump for this, but now when I saw the video in preparing my final prep on this message, the message wasn't even a construction when they came in, but I was just blessed to see how God was ahead of us, and I thought, oh, we got to let that story speak on this day in particular. So let's listen. What does generosity smell like? Third answer.
I think it's incredible that Jonathan and Sarah would share some of their private life and some of their bold, scary courage, <laughs> especially around a topic that touches us so personally as this one does. But it answers the question, what does generosity smell like? First, it smells like love. Next, it smells like fullness that then overflows, meets needs, and then yours and others. And then it smells like promise. It smells like God, the God of promise. In fact, this is where Paul concludes his thoughts. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Could we all say that verse together? My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now before you get to the amen glory part, it's, I don't know anybody who isn't like Sarah and Jonathan who said, it's scary. When we consider God's invitation to join him, it's like, are you kidding me? Really? What's going to happen in our, you know, the, the fears rise up. But what then they said, it was spiritual growth territory. They said, but God's got us covered. And then they said, you know, it's not even about the gifts. It's about the growth. That's that whole conversation about spirit and material. Who of us doesn't have that? But trusting God and then getting closer to God, letting spirit conquer flesh, takes us into the zone of freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from loss, freedom from worries of what is yet to come. And now what did Paul say? Paul says in another letter, he says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. So trusting God, leaning on God, and then following his lead will lead you ultimately to freedom, which means living in God's promise. In other words, you can't outgive God. When you give as a Christ follower in worship, as an act of worship, not coercion, not because you have to, but because it's an act of worship. He says it's like a fragrance that rises and is pleasing to God. And then he says, and you're actually setting in motion a lifelong, a life-giving promise that will meet your life needs in Christ Jesus because God is the ultimate source. Of generosity. It's his riches. It's his glory that we are now riding the wave into his future together. Or as Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. That's what he taught his disciples, Matthew 10, 8. So in the Old Testament, you know what Moses told the people? He quoted God saying this, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. In other words, sacrifice was commanded from God for worshipers who were celebrating the festival of unleavened bread. Now somebody's wondering, I know I did, if giving, if God commands giving, then how is that an act of voluntary worship? And that sounds like uh, coercion. That sounds like duty. That sounds like requirement. Well, I believe there was a lesson because you know the feast days were lessons of uh, leadership and blessing that God was bringing his people. I believe God's command here was his way of showing his people that he will never leave them empty-handed. He, he only asks for a portion of that which he fills our hands with. 
And he was wanting them to know they're crossing the wilderness and they're wondering where they're going to get their goods to take care of them. He's going to say, well, when you come to meet with me, always bring something. In other words, I'm never going to leave you without enough to say thank you for and thank you with. It was a lesson of God saying, trust me in this because I will be with you through the wilderness and you will never be empty handed. I will never leave you without provision. I will only ask you for a little bit, your hand size, of that which I have filled it with. God's hands are much bigger. Made me think as I was reflecting on this this morning, uh, I remembered a story that I told about this mom who saw a teachable opportunity. She had two sons. My daughter has two grandsons, you know, a big brother and a little brother, and mom was fixing waffles one morning, had a little bacon cooking, and uh, and saw a teachable moment and said to her sons, to the older brother in particular, who was extremely hungry and ready to go, said, you know, Jesus would let his brother share his waffle. In fact, Jesus might let his brother go first. And the older brother looked at the little brother and said, you be Jesus. Something in human nature, right? <laughs> says, yeah, show me how it's done. What God says is that I will keep on making waffles. I will make waffles enough that as you share, more will come, more will come, more will come. But the way we discover it is when we, just, when we inhale generosity and then exhale generosity in our time, in our talent, and in our treasure. 10% a tithe is a dime out of every dollar. And it's God's way of saying, I will keep the dollars coming and you extend the dimes so that I can multiply them and other people can know it as well. Why does God ask for that? It's not because he needs it. He doesn't. It's not because he wants to aggravate you <laughs> and so that I have opportunity to bring messages like this. You know, no, that's not it. It's not because uh, he wants to somehow take your hard-earned income. And uh, you know what he's doing? He's teaching worship. That's what the apostles say. That's what Paul says. This really is about worship. He's teaching worship through generosity. And he said when the generosity of God's people, something around their heart moved them so that visceral and cognitive came together in behavior and there was a fleshing out of generosity that was suddenly pleasing. And it's, when you give like that, it gets noticed through worship. Generosity helps people become more like God. That's God's goal. Now, we know the behavioral science studies show that generous people are more happy people. So maybe God is also trying to say, and I want to show you how to be happier in life. But what he's really up to is saying, I want to show you how to be like me. Um, I don't remember my dad being a real cologne guy. But I do think of him every time I smell Old Spice. <laughs> you know, just get a little whiff of that, and suddenly I'm right there with William L. You know, there's just something that, that has ignited my, my mind. It captures my attention. It enlivens my affection. And the next thing, I'm just right there with my father. 
You know, God has so designed us that when we get a whiff of true generosity, I mean the real thing, then he means it to make us think about him. That's where the fragrance takes us, into the holy of holies where the incense was offered so that we can draw near to the God who gives love, the God who gives life, the God who brings strength, the God who has new mercies and provision and the promise that you will never go empty when you're walking with me. And so as we think about him, he wants us to do the kind of things he does. Makes sense, doesn't it? To show love, to bring fullness that meets needs, and then to help others come to know him so that they too can live his promise. And I don't know that we can ever do too much of that in this world, can we? God may be calling you right now, in fact, just to receive his love, to be the beneficiary of generosity. It's not something you have to earn or deserve. It's something that he is giving you generously in Christ and giving you through Christ's body, the church. We don't always do it well or do it right, but this is God's vision, is that his people would join him in providing so that others can receive. Freely you've received, freely give. And then, so if that's you today, friend, maybe you're a seeker, you're trying to make sense out of this, you're wondering, how am I going to move forward in this life? My resources are drying up, and God is telling you, let me be your resource. That's where it all starts. So open your heart to Christ. Let the riches of Christ fill you spiritually. And then, when he leads you, you'll know the time is right to take the step and trust him with not just fleshly things, but spirit growth. And speaking of that believer, God wants you to grow in him. God wants you to, uh, to be part of sharing his fragrance to our world right now. A lot of things seem to be stinking in our world right now. Wouldn't it be nice to have some aromatherapy rise in the middle of the stench through the act of generosity. And when you do that, you know what he does? This is what you'll discover. He takes you out of fear and into trust. He takes you out of need and into promise. And he will take you out of self and into God by helping others. It's a genius plan. So if you're looking for breakthrough in your spiritual life this 2021 season, may I suggest to you what the apostles said, priesthood, the spiritual priests of God are to offer spiritual sacrifices that are what? Well, start with this, offer your body to God. Lord, everything I know about me, I'm giving to everything I know about you. Let me be your instrument in this world. And then I will align my, what comes out of my mouth with what you desire to be in my heart so that I offer the sacrifice of praise. And then as I'm putting my life and my lips together, I want to bring my strength and I put my hands to it. I want to do some good in this world, at the job, in my neighborhood, in my church, wherever I can do some good. Let me do some good, Lord. And then as I'm doing good, let's let the light shine so that others can find their way too. And when others come to Christ, then Paul says we can offer 
His Holy Spirit's work in their life as a, a gift of worship to Him. And then finally, He says, you know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So bring your full heart into the Holy of Holies and allow God to lift His fragrance through you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way that you have done that in our lives through other people that have brought us to this place in our journey. And I pray that you would simply help us today to find our place and do our part so that the fire of your forging can now become a fragrance that can penetrate some of the less, the more distasteful aromas that we are finding around us these days. Help us instead, Lord, to be leading in ways that lead people to you. And if that's your leading today to find him, then we always offer a prayer of opportunity. If you'd like to know how to begin a relationship with Christ, it can start with this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you love me. I believe you gave yourself for me on the cross. And in that profound generosity, the fragrance of God's love can now come into my body, into my life. I receive you. Fill me and lead me as I receive you. In your name I pray, amen.